Friends, now we turn to the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter as we hear from this first passage in our Advent study. It comes from verses 5 through 25. I invite you to hear these words. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord." He must never drink strong wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me. When he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever looked at some situation some aspect of the way the world is today and, and thought to yourself, this isn't the way things should be. This isn't the way that God wants it to be. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever wondered why is this still a problem or an issue? Why is this still a reality? 
Years ago when I was in seminary, I worked for two uh, years in the fall and the spring as an intern at the campus ministry for the United Methodist Church at the University of North Carolina. Now I was a student at Duke Divinity School. We were about 15 miles apart, the two schools. Can you imagine Auburn and Alabama being 15 miles apart? That was the distance between the two. I worked in the other. And so when it was time for me to go to work, I would often have to remove anything that said Duke on it so I could walk incognito around the campus. I had a Bible study that I led with several students and we called it the nomadic Bible study because it always changed to different places. Sometimes it would be in a coffee shop or a yogurt place. It would just frozen yogurt place, it would just go around. And I remember, I remember this one conversation with a student who was really questioning her faith. And she just asked me, why is it that there are some people in this world who are not Christian who act better than Christians? And I didn't have a good answer for that. <laughs> I did tell her to focus on Jesus the author and perfecter of the faith, and to hope and to pray that more of us would be more like Jesus. But I know for her, she really felt like the world around us was not the way it should be, and she didn't see a lot of Christians picking up the tools and getting to work as much as she thought they would. For her, this seemed to be the world out of sorts, that Christians were not acting as people who really cared. You know, when we think about those things in the world where it doesn't look the way we thought it should, it doesn't happen the way we think it should, we feel like God and his way is not what is happening right now, we can probably understand Advent better than anyone. Pastor Michael Bowman was supposed to preach this sermon. Probably about three-fourths of it is going to be his. Thankfully, he shared his notes with me. But he entitled his sermon, Advent Begins in the Dark, which is an interesting thing to say at the beginning of a season with so much light and hope and wonder. I think part of the reason that Pastor Michael decided to start with Advent in the dark is because where we find ourselves at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. Before we even get to the fifth verse where we meet Zechariah and Elizabeth, we begin with a people, the people of God. Remember God's own cherished people, people that he rescued from captivity in Egypt people that he has loved and stuck with along the way. He has punished them, but he's also been the God that brought them back together again. We come to a point at the very beginning of the New Testament where the people of God, his beloved people, have not heard from God for 400 years. It seems like God's been silent. We have no record in the Christian tradition of any prophets being raised up for 400 years. We have no record of any visions, any, any instance of God's direction infusing itself into the world for 4 
400 years. It seems like God's been silent. And in the midst of that 400-year time span, the people of God have been bullied and taxed and ruled over by various powers at the day and the time. The Greeks and the Romans, and the Romans are in charge at the very time we find ourselves here at the beginning of Luke's gospel. There has been nothing, just perceived silence from God. There's an author who uh, Michael Bowman quoted who is talking about how Advent is this perfect season to begin with when there's been silence, when there's been nothing, when there's been hopelessness and despair. This is what she says. It can be argued that Advent, more than any other season of the church year, is immediately relevant to our concrete lives as individuals. To the concrete life of the church under stress and to the concrete headlines in the newspaper. It's this time frame, this, this place in the Christian year where we find ourselves looking in a mirror clearly, as it were, looking at the reality of our lives today. There is an understanding that Advent is about two important events. Advent in the Latin stands for uh, Adventus, which means arrival or coming. So Advent is the season leading up to the arrival of God on the scene. The first arrival, the first Advent, the first coming of God as a child born among us. Jesus Christ born to Mary on that first Christmas day. There's also a second Advent, a second coming that we talk about in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. If you didn't know, quick means living, not the fast people. Jesus was born. Jesus will come again in Advent is what we do during those two moments in history. We wait with anticipation, knowing that God has come and knowing that he will come again and make things right. Christ has come and Christ will come again. We as the church, we as Christians live in the and, in the in-between. This is reflected in how we celebrate the rest of the Christian year. You may or may not know this, that today, the first Sunday of Advent, is the beginning of the new Christian year in terms of worship. So happy new year. We start today afresh, waiting for Jesus to arrive. And then most of the rest of the year in terms of the church follows his life. We start with his birth at Christmas. We go through into the time of the wise men, the magi coming to visit. We move to his baptism and his ministry. We focus on his teachings. And then during the season of Lent and the spring and Easter Sunday, we remember his death and his resurrection. After Easter, we focus upon the teachings of Christ and other scriptures that help us learn how to live as faithful people, how to live as a church in the world. And after we get through that whole year, by the end of Thanksgiving, it's time to start over again 
having our whole lives bent, led, ushered by Jesus and his way. We are focused on what God has for us to learn and to do. Advent, though, is that in-between time. It's that sort of how do we deal with the here and now waiting for Jesus to arrive? And, and many of us, rightly so, because we need hope in our lives. We need peace. We need joy and fa-la-la-la-la-la-la. We skip ahead from Advent to Christmas, and I get it. I am there, too. I need this just like you do. And yet there's something about pausing here at the beginning of Advent before we move over, before we move on to what comes ahead. And to be honest, there's a little bit of trauma from my childhood that comes with Christmas because of my last name, Holly. Somebody in first grade thought it'd be really funny to sing Deck the Halls with Michael Holly. Doesn't hurt. In a sense, Advent begins in the dark because of what we discussed, that for 400 years, for 400 years, there was perceived silence. Notice I'm saying perceived because how do we know that God wasn't active and speaking, that God wasn't leading and doing something? I mean, that sounds like God, but it also sounds like human beings that we can get out of tune with God, and it seems like God is not speaking. But for 400 years, there seems to be darkness. There, there seems to be no hope. It seems like God has forgotten his people. And yet they keep on worshiping. They keep offering incense in the temple, in the sanctuary. And that's where we find ourselves in Luke's gospel. Nothing has happened. And all of a sudden, at the beginning of Luke's message to us, there is a man going in to do his job just like every other priest has been doing for 400 years, he's going in to perform a sacrifice of incense in the sanctuary while his wife, who is barren, is at home. They can't have children. He goes in to the temple to make an incense offering. And if you have ever lit incense before, you might be familiar with tiny little cones or maybe a stick that you light and just a little bit of smoke comes up. When we're talking about incense being offered in the sanctuary, we're talking about a rare and expensive gift. And yet for God, it's worth it. They would put a lot of incense on the altar as a sign of how special God is. And not only that, it wouldn't just be a little bit of smoke. It would have been quite a bit of smoke rising. And many historians believe that the Jewish people, even though they couldn't see this offering because only one priest was allowed to this altar, no one else could see it. What they would say is, is that it was visually uh, amazing to see because it, the smoke was rising into heaven, almost like the prayers of the people were rising up to God. Zechariah was the only one allowed in the room where all this was happening. And for 400 years, it has been dark and quiet, and they keep going through the motions, going through the actions, worshiping, showing up again and again, waiting for God to speak. And that's where we find ourselves. Elizabeth, who is not able to have children, she was barren, 
And did you notice that our new revised standard version of the Bible is very careful about how it talks about her? They were getting along in years. They couldn't have children. They couldn't really be a part of society because you see in that time, women were seen as mainly living into their role if they have children. Motherhood was the highest a woman could reach. How many times has she prayed for children? How many times has she prayed that God would help her conceive that it might just work out this time? How many times in the darkness has she reached out to God so that she was not seen as irrelevant in her society and her family? She may have been looked down upon or even disgraced by others. There's a sense of darkness that she's missed her window, right? That she's gone along in years and that part of her life is over. For 400 years, the people of God have been, have been fumbling around in the darkness, waiting, maybe craving for God to say something. And maybe in Elizabeth, there's the same feeling. Her husband, Zachariah, again, went into the temple to perform his activity as a priest and he, he walks in there on a normal day. Everything is going to plan. He lights the incense and he is there pray, praying. Everybody is outside praying and an angel of the Lord, Gabriel himself, shows up next to the altar and Zachariah is terrified. Just like we would be in that situation. Uh, if you read any chapter in the Bible where an angel shows up, they almost always have to say, don't be afraid. It's out of the ordinary. And what does Zechariah hear from Gabriel? Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. This is John the Baptist. John, the cousin of Jesus. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. 400 years of silence and God shows up in a sanctuary where only one person can speak and see and hear. One person, and that is Zechariah. And because he cannot believe what he is hearing, he is struck mute. God finally speaks after 400 years and nobody can hear about it. For nine months, at least. Zechariah has seen God speak for the first time and he cannot tell anyone. He just has to play charades, in a sense. Moving his arms wildly, he cannot speak. After all this waiting and hoping and yearning and craving, what Zechariah hears is, God has heard you. God has been listening. He has seen your despair. It has not gone unnoticed. 400 years of silence and finally God speaks. Advent is about how God speaks into the darkness of our lives. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what despair or shame, whatever situation you feel trapped in, if there is darkness outside of you, if there is darkness inside of you, there is the good news that Christ is coming yet again, being born into this world because into the darkness, the light of God has shone. We, friends, have a reason to hope, and it's because God has been faithful. 
Even after silence or perceived silence, God responds and shows up and shows up in a big way. We, friends, are a people of of hope, but not a a hope in terms of wishing and, and feeling like hopefully God will do something. No, we're a people who believe that there is a future. We don't know when it will happen or how it will happen or why it's delayed or why things are the way they are now, but we have a hope that is real that there's a future ahead of us. But it doesn't mean we have to sort of put on a fake smile and pretend like everything's okay to ignore the problems and pain in the world. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to make believe. We can be honest about how we feel and where the darkness is because we know that God's light is stronger than any darkness within or without. We don't have to have the perfect Christmas card picture. In fact, maybe the most real Christmas card picture is all of us waiting for God to shine light into our lives and into our hearts. Each Advent, we get back into the story of the darkness of what came before and the future that we have in Jesus Christ. Each Advent, we're reminded that God would not abandon us, none of us, no one of us is off the list when it comes to God, that he wants all of us to be a part of what he is doing. If you've ever felt abandoned, unheard, silenced, in the dark, confused, or angry, this God is for you. And John the Baptist is here to help prepare the way for Jesus. We don't have to wait either. Inactive, unhelping, in the corner waiting. No, friends, we in this time of hope And anticipation can get busy doing the things that God has for us to do. We can continue to live faithfully, just like Zechariah, going into that sanctuary day after day when he was on duty, performing his work in the midst of all that silence because he knew who God was. He didn't wait for God to show up to get his life in line. He was already seen as righteous. He and Elizabeth both, even though they were still waiting for hope. We don't have to sit and wait for things to happen, friends. We can be God's servants even in the darkness. And sometimes when people see us getting up, having some sort of strength that comes from nowhere, even admitting our own darkness, our own fears, our own issues, getting up and doing something for someone else speaks volumes about what faith can do in people. Advent is about the preparation, not only for ourselves, that our hearts and minds will be ready for Jesus when he is born, but also that our lives will be in order, our hearts will be in order when he comes yet again. There's this beautiful thing that Zechariah says at the end of Luke's gospel. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. God is faithful to his promises, and no matter what darkness we encounter, 
or live in. God is able to shine even in those places. Let's be a people of hope and let's be a people who help share hope to others in whatever darkness they find. We can be Zachariah, we can be Elizabeth, we can be John if we help prepare the way inside and prepare the way outside too. Let us be faithful and let us not rush through the season getting to the end without making room for God. How much more will God's love and grace make a difference in this world if we can take our time and make room for even more people to greet him as the Savior born in a manger out of love, a gift for us all. Amen and amen.